What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Dad the Man podcast. My name is Brendan Wall, and I am your host. So here at Dad the Man, this is the only show in the world that is specifically designed to help men to love and lead their families from the front, from this place of opportunity and passion and fulfillment, all while still pursuing their own personal professional values as well. It's a lot to juggle. It's a lot to handle. But that's the problem we are here to solve. And I want to thank you for being here. It's so exciting that I get to welcome you here to the show. You could spend your time doing literally anything else, but you have chosen to show up here to listen to this show. That's something that I take very seriously. And my goal here is to steward your attention well and give you a great return on your time. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And before we jump in, before I introduce this week's guest, quick plug for our new Facebook group. Man, we are all in this thing together as men, husbands, and fathers. We go through so many of the same circumstances together. We think we're special in the struggles and the things that we go through, but we're not. We all go through this together. We are in this together. So come join us in the Facebook group. It's totally free. You can go to um, facebook.com, go to the group section. You can search for Dad the Man, or you can go to the link in the, the show notes here. It'll take you straight there. Or you can go to www.facebook.com slash group slash dad the man. Like I said, it's totally free. There is no excuse not to come in there. So I hope to see you in there soon. So today's guest is the Mike Zeller. Mike is a seasoned entrepreneur. He helps high achievers align their purpose with both the business they want to build and the life they want to live while also getting unstuck and shaking off limiting beliefs. He is considered a leading expert in helping high achievers find their deepest zone of genius. Among his successes, he has also had his fair share of failures, which he is not shy to talk about. We talk about them today in this conversation, and he uses those experiences and the lessons from them to teach others on their own journey. He's the author of The Genius Within, And if you are in a position in your life where you are considering a career change and you feel like you are not working on something that you are called to do, this book is for you. It outlines the steps for you to take to get clarity on yourself, who you are, and what your next steps need to be to become more aligned with what you were actually created to do here on earth. And as Mike calls it, he helps you to find your zone of genius. Mike truly loves to serve other people. So after giving us an hour of his time for this conversation, he gave me another half hour after the, after the recording of the show um, of just personalized coaching and helping me to navigate my own psychology, helping me to think through a few different things in different ways. And he really helped me to uncover my zone of genius. He even followed up with me afterwards to see how I was doing with some of the homework that he gave me. He's just, he's a servant leader. He's a guy who truly leads from the front and he's so sincere in the way that he does it. And above it all, Mike is an incredible man, husband and father, and it was an honor to host him on the show. So here's my conversation with the Mike Zeller. And we are live with entrepreneur and business architect. He is the author of The Genius Within. He is the one and only Mike Zeller. Mike, I want to thank you so much for making some time for us today. I've been following you for a little while now. And man, I so appreciate your, it's it's an undeniable, indisputable 
just eternal optimism that you have about you. And the, <laughs> the older I get, and the more I appreciate people like you who approach life through this life of, of gratitude, of abundance, of opportunity, of prosperity. It's, I just appreciate it so much, man. So thanks for doing what you do. Thank you for doing it the way you do it. Super excited to have you here today. One and only Mike Zeller, welcome to the Dad the Man podcast. Brendan, honored to be here. Love your energy and enthusiasm already. And uh, man, I, I was listening to sports podcasts of all places. And Colin Cowherd said he's never met a billionaire who wasn't an optimist. And I was like, hmm. He's like, it's impossible to be a billionaire and be a pessimist. Because you got to take so many risks. You got to bounce back from defeat. You got to face your fears over and over and over and have hope that it might just work out. (laughs) So um, anyway, so I embrace that philosophy for sure. I love it. Well, I was about to ask you to go back and tell us a little bit about your childhood, but I think I'm going to hold off because now I'm really interested. Where does this optimism come from in you? Maybe it is through childhood. Yeah, you know, I mean, my I guess my parents did a great job in childhood of instilling that I could be anything to some extent if I work hard and all that Protestant work ethic. My dad was a first generation American, immigrated from Germany at age 22, not speaking a word of English, Um, eighth grade education like he literally was born 1940 so he saw the allied forces flying over as a small boy like bombing munich and then saw the allied troops coming through even saw the jews leaving the concentration camps um walking through in streets um at age five and they were you know his parents were anti-hitler but they didn't want to go to jail either so they had a little picture of hitler hanging in the very back of their house in a closet so if the gestapo came in or the German secret police, they would walk in and they'd, they'd show them the, the photo hanging in the back closet. Um, but uh, so like, you know, one of the things I learned from a guy named Rob Bell is like, you know, our story doesn't begin with our birth. We enter into another story when we're born. And so I look at my parents, you know, my parents, middle class mindset, hard work ethic, um, which also involves there's a lot of good in that, but there's a lot of there's a lot of handcuffs. Mm-hmm. Even now, my mom's building her house, um, and she's doing most of it herself. And she's a grandmother; she's almost seventy years old. She's like sanding the floors, putting the doors on together. Like it's uh, you know very much a middle class versus a, a, a wealth mindset. And I think when we're remaking ourselves into who we want to be. There's, there's an intentional shedding that you got to go through shedding, uh, you know, the caterpillar has to become the butterfly, he has to shed his old identity. And I have love and respect for my roots. But I, I don't want to be uh, rooted to my roots forever. Right. When I know my vision is bigger, my mm-hmm. destiny is bigger, and my impact is bigger. So anyway, that's I don't. <laughs> yeah. I took us a few different spots. No, so you you said that you growing up, your parents always they said like they encouraged you, like you can be anything you want to be, like you had that in you. But it sounds like maybe that wasn't necessarily modeled for you. Did you believe that you could do what you have been able to do as an entrepreneur at that point in time? Um, no, I I didn't think like I thought the pinnacle of my achievement. I remember I was like. 21, 20, 21 years old, and I was working in a restaurant. I was like, why do I even need to finish college? 
I can get a job as a restaurant manager, eventually become a GM by age 30, make $100,000 a year and get my BMW. I was like, that was my vision. I'm going to have my own restaurant, make a hundred grand, have a BMW. Yeah. And then <laughs> I, I ended up making a hundred grand a year before my 30th birthday, but I was, uh, it was in real estate and, and, you know, at one point I've had as many as 55 employees and I'm, now I'm launching what I think will be my biggest venture ever, um, next month, uh, superhuman health. But it was like during that season, um, uh, you know, you, you take the good, like my, my, my parents and middle-class mindset, like you, you take the things around like, Hey, if you want a job done, right, do it yourself. Mm-hmm. If it, but a billionaire mindset, you want a job done right, you hire the best freaking person you can find to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Um, and you figure out a way to afford them. Um, so uh, I think for me, it was also at age 19, I went to a, my first sem- seminar. Mm-hmm. And they said, hey, if you read a book, uh, you know, a book a month in your chosen field, you'll become an expert in three years. And I was like, dude, I don't want to wait three years. I want to do it in one year. <laughs> and so I'm a you know, junior in college reading a book a week and just cranking through. And I even had a little book checklist and I was like, uh, made notes of all the books I read that year. And I became obsessed with learning and growing and what's it look like to become a one percenter and have a one percent impact and legacy. And I'm still on that quest and I, I don't see it dying. One of my inspirational heroes, Peter Drucker, he was 98 years old when he died, when he was still writing books, still wow. speaking, still lecturing at Harvard and Stanford and other places. So, you know, retirement is a concept that was created in the, uh, around the turn of the 19th century or 20th century by insurance salesmen and retirement brokers. So I don't want to retire. I want to keep creating until I'm dead. Yeah. Yeah. I've always said that too. Like retirement's not, it's not like the, like, Hey, let's just stop working. It's like, let's go work on stuff that it like really fills us up. Like, right. It's a, it's a different mindset. So I'm guessing you never, it sounds like at around age, you know, 19, 20 ish you're in college, but you never really had an intention of I'm going to go work a nine to five job. No, I kind of thought I would and climb the corporate ladder, but I never really did. You know, mm-hmm. I got out of college or grad school and went to grad school, got my master's in Christian leadership. And I did the mortgage, a mortgage job for like a year and a half. And then I stepped into real estate and that's a 1099 self-employed, you know, and I never looked back. Um, I've had other long-term consulting roles, but um, it, it, I knew, I remember being a mortgage loan officer and I just knew I, I was meant to be a risk taker, meant to be like a poisonous mushroom eater. You know, the guy <laughs> in the tribe that goes out ahead of the tribe and test, oh, is this a portobello? Or is it a truffle? Or is it deadly? You know, and, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm, I'm going to have more failures than most, but I'll also have more wins than most. And I'm good with that. Yeah, I love that perspective. That's a funny analogy. So if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about, I guess, your professional journey. Let everybody get to know you a little bit. So we go from you're in, you're in grad school, you're doing the mortgage loan officer thing, and then it sounds like you get into real estate. Tell, tell us a little bit about your evolution from there. Yeah, in, in college, I became a Christian. That became a big part of my journey. And I did ministry, started, you know, started three churches in Nashville 
at different points, did the campus ministry. That's how I met uh, Josh Axe, uh, you know, one of your guests a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And, um, but along the way, my last semester in seminary, I was literally at a ministry conference. I heard this guy, Erwin McManus speak, and he was, his talk was called Character of a Leader. He talked about faithfulness. He talked about that parable of the talents, that, that buried treasure, that buried talent is wickedness. Wasted potential is wickedness. We think of wickedness, mm. oh, you're an axe murderer, you're a child molester, you're a thief, whatever. No. There's an element of wickedness in all of us for wasted potential. And I remember sitting in that conference in, in Chicago being convicted that, you know what, I have all this business talent that I buried in the sand. I was like, yeah, I came back. I was like, and then I got turned down for a full-time ministry position at my home church. And then, then I just felt like nah, God, was, God spoke to me in that moment. Like, Mike, you're called to the marketplace. You can do things there that, you know, you're less restricted. And uh, I jumped in, jumped into real estate. Most of America's millionaires had built their wealth initially in real estate in some regard, as some of my mentors had told me. And so I jumped in and built a, a great career in real estate, but I got bored. Honestly, I was bored, intellectually bored three years in. I knew I was called to something more. And, um, and I started creating other businesses. Came back from a mini sabbatical in Buenos Aires, Argentina for six weeks. I had fallen in love with a French girl, but I'd also uh, read a bunch of books and uh, had a little fun. Um, and I also felt like I was meant to design businesses. And that's where it first kind of came to me, where it's like, uh, if I'm the engine in my business, I'm going to get really freaking tired. But if I design the engine, Henry Ford designed the engine. He wasn't working on the factory floor. He was a mechanic, but he knew how to how to build things and how to design things. And I was like, so I came back and I was like, all right. So I started helped a couple of buddies design a socially minded car dealership, became a 20 percent partner in that. Launched a few other things. Um, uh, you know, just along the way, I, I knew I was called to design and mentor, design businesses, be a business architect, but also mentor others um, doing the same thing that have God-given potential that they need to unlock, but they're not sure what their unique pathway is. Mm -hmm. And now I get to work with high achievers from across the planet and uh, every continent so far, except Antarctica. I've yet to work with anyone from Antarctica. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, in the book, in uh, Genius Within, you, you tell the story too. You, you kind of walk us through a lot of the success that you had. You also tell us a little bit about the story about the failure that you had around, I think that was around 2019 or so after, yeah. um, after you're, you're, you get married, you're sitting there with, with your new wife and it's like, you've kind of had this slew of just a couple swings and misses. You had a couple poisonous mushrooms to go yeah, back to your analogy yeah, before. Yeah, I ate some dead, almost deadly <laughs> mushrooms there. Um, but, uh, yeah, in that, in that season, you know, my cash cow business, I had baby businesses you know, baby businesses, since we're on the dad, the man show, as we know, if you have a baby, shoot, they cry a lot, they poop a lot, you don't get much sleep. Well, baby businesses are like that too for the owners. And I had, had started too many baby businesses. Um, and my main mature business was my real estate business. But me and my business partner at the time had a falling out. My team uh, wanted to work with me, didn't want to work with him. We ended up splitting um and i essentially lost that cash cow business 
right before we got married. And I was spending like five to 10 hours a week in that business, had it pretty automated. I was mm -hmm. a business owner for the most part with a little bit of active, I was an active business owner, not an operator at the, in many regards. And then that just had some domino effects. And I had a lot of expenses, a lot of bills. Um, and man, it took me a while to dig out of that hole. I, I uh, uh, ended up losing over a million dollars in that season um and had a reboot and uh took me a few years i mean you know you go through a season but of rebooting man it's it's a season of it's a good solid three or four years of remaking and even now i'm i'm in the early stages i, I feel like of the upswing but it's exciting and i'm so much wiser and, and i knew when i started i had six active businesses at the time i was like the crap's gonna hit the fan at some point mm -hmm. but I didn't know how bad it would suck, <laughs> um, but uh, in the midst of it, I just kept feet. I had to do the things to, that I preach and I also had to re remake myself in mm -hmm. my money mindset. I read a money mindset book every week for 36 weeks in a row. Wow. And I've read over 96 books now in that arena. Some of them like I count if I've read a book five times, I'll count that as five, five times, you know, but yeah. Um, and now I'm, my identity is, is much bigger than it was. And my okay. potential is much bigger than it was. I'm so curious about your orientation with the idea of risk, with the reality of risk. As a guy who, you know, you were in that position where the crap did hit the fan. You, you ate a couple poisonous mushrooms. You lost yeah. over a million bucks in three years. And as I let in with, I see you as this eternal optimist. Like, yeah. what did you learn about yourself in that process where you're reading all these books that kind of freed you back up to go get back out there and be able to operate freely with risk? Yeah. You know, I looked at it. There, there's the human mind is so freaking powerful, right? Like we can relive a trauma or a great memory for 40, 50 years, the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. And so in the midst of that season, I remember... I, I, I looked at my life and I was like, hey, if I keep letting this part of me lead, the part of me that is ashamed and embarrassed and is a type three on the Enneagram, a high achieving type, failure is not something you like. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I remember deciding, I was like, all right, what's the name of that version of me? And I do and now it's part of my NLP claim your power process that I have a free version of it on YouTube. Just type in claim your power NLP. And I did it um, and I looked at myself and I asked my heart, my body, not your conscious mind, because your heart and your body doesn't lie. That's why the FBI does lie detector test on not your words, but your body. Well, ask my heart and my body, what's the name of that version of me that is ashamed and embarrassed and is cowering and said, weak ass Willie, weak ass Willie. All right. <laughs> He's not going to lead me to the promised land. What's the name of the more powerful alter ego or a more powerful version of me, Magic Mike. Magic Mike, and I had a client that called me Magic Mike around that time for the magic I created in her life. So I said, all right, Magic Mike. Magic Mike, you gotta leave. And even now today, I have daily affirmations. I am Magic Mike. I'm a wealth magnet. I'm a powerful force for good. I'm a blah, 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 blah. I help a million people have clean drinking water and all these things. And I declare it. And, and you look at top athletes, Kobe Bryant, Black Mamba, Beyonce, 
she was early in her career. She had to get on stage, had to flip into a different mindset, a different identity to perform mm -hmm. and entertain tens of thousands. Sasha Fierce, Bo Jackson, when he was on the football field, he wasn't Mr. Nice Guy because off, off the field, he was Mr. Nice Guy. He was Jason from Friday the 13th, ready to kill, mm -hmm. ready to run over people. And um, so that was a gift. You know, you go through those tough seasons, and I knew I had prepped myself even in my 20s. I read a book, Failing Forward by John Maxwell, talked about the failures of people's lives. And I read enough biographies. I've read dozens and dozens of biographies right now. You knew Henry Ford was bankrupt at age 40, Walt Disney bankrupt multiple times. Um, uh, so many people, you know, Henry Ford bankrupt age 43, 10 years later, wealthiest man on the planet. You know, so. Things can change, but you use the gifts mm -hmm. of, of your failures and mistakes. And middle-class mindset also, one of the things I learned is I studied the, the, like a billionaire mindset or wealthy mindset versus middle-class. Mm -hmm. Middle-class avoids failure because it brings shame on the family, shame on the individual. And, it, and versus a billionaire mindset, you're like, hey, that's just growth and learning. Mm -hmm. Like Sarah Blakely, do you know what Sarah Blakely's dad used to ask her? Yeah, what'd you fail at today? What'd you fail at today? And if her yep. and her brother hadn't failed at anything um, by dinner time, they had to get out there and fail at something before they went to sleep. It's amazing. Different mindset, relationship with failure. And seeing failure is just progress. Edison had it, you know? Mm -hmm. So how do, I, how do I embrace that for myself? And I, I have a baby or a little 11 month old. I'm, I want her to have that. And I watch how she walks and if she stumbles and falls, I'm really intentional about like encouraging her. And saying, mm -hmm. All right, you got it, girl. Let's go. Come yes. on, Sonic. Dude, I, I love that. My uh that's something I've really tried to be intentional with. And it's kind of it's kind of cool. I'm learning a lot of like these types of lessons. That the, my orientation, my problem with risk and failure was I always saw, I guess it was more that middle class mindset. Like I always saw failure as a period. Like Mm -hmm. you don't like if you get to the end of the road that's the end of the road that's it that's your one shot right. but it's like all right Eminem the one shot thing like that's kind of a <laughs> lie like that's that's BS. BS yeah yeah and being able to flip that to see a comma and then continue a story to me has been huge I've been trying to do that with my kids as well I got two boys five and three and if you ask my five-year-old or my three-year-old hey buddy what do we do when we miss try again and it's yeah. and it's not this big lesson that I'm trying to teach them it's like in the middle of like playing, like shooting in the little basketball hoop that's taped to the back of the door, like in the playroom, you know, it's like yeah, the little yeah. moments. And, yeah, yeah. uh, but it's, when you said that, that made me think about it. What, what, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Now I was going to say, what I love about your story is that you took, you took your story and, and now you really use that. Like you've got a, a lot of that's baked into this book, um, the genius within. And when I was reading, I was like, this is like the instruction manual of how to figure out who the heck you are. Yeah, like how, how to figure out what the heck you actually want to do. So like we we hear so many people say, you know, like like we were talking about a little bit before they're like they're burnt out they're, They don't love what they do. They just they feel like they're, you know, they're just swinging and missing on things and they're not even enjoying it along yeah. the way. They're not even excited to see what's on the other side of that comma, like I was saying before. So tell us a little bit about now, I guess, how you, you've kind of taken your story and now you help other people through like through your experience. Can you walk us through that? Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to come back to a question for you, though, here in a oh second. Boy. But, uh, you know, I take people through four different quadrants. And the goal, my goal in writing the book was like, 
I had realized in coaching hundreds of entrepreneurs and leaders that, hey, if I gather enough clues, the patterns pop like popcorn, but what are the quadrants or what are the pathways or the pillars that the clues come in? And I realized it's not just one thing. It's not just one personality test. It's just not just one talent. It's not just one relationship or one passion. It's really four things. Your unique talents. So I get, have people go through five different personality tests. Why five? They all measure something different, like the wealth dynamics test. You've already said a couple things that give me a couple clues about what profile you might be on wealth dynamics, which will reveal your natural pathway for building wealth. Because if if I'm a creator and wired to be a high risk taker mm -hmm. and person that goes through lots of flops and flourishing moments, like an Elon Musk, he's up and then he's down. He's up and he's down. You <laughs> yep. know, Steve mm -hmm. Jobs kicked out of his own company for 12 years um, versus a lord. You might be a lord that's kind of steady, uh, minimize risk, avoid, build an empire. I don't mm -hmm. know. Like, but that test shows you. And so all those personality tests, then I take people through the second category. You're defining life experiences. There's purpose. There's meaning. There's. Uh, there's whispers in our soul, in our in our life experiences, but we got to tune our antennas. When I have people go through the whole life timeline, and we we pull out from start to present day, we can often see into the future what's coming next, mm -hmm. right? And then we see the meanings and the purpose that have been unconscious often. Third thing, your key relationships, and your key relationships coupled with your defined life experiences and your unique talent. So who brings you life versus death? Where you have this cluster of, of people that you're already naturally drawn to an unusual cluster, right? And then your values and passions bring that together. You know, you're twice as likely to step in a flow state when you're operating from your strengths. So it becomes even more paramount if you're a high achiever, someone who wants to accomplish the most with your life wants your children to accomplish the most with, most with their life, figure the, what the freak their strengths are. Help them step into their strengths, manage their weaknesses, not try and double down on their weaknesses. Manage the weaknesses, double down on your strengths. When you're in flow state, you're 500% more productive. And that's where work becomes play. And it releases all these positive mental endorphins and ser serotonin and oxytocin and all the, the neurochemical cocktail that is delicious. To our body um and so as i look at that I, I realized hey i couldn't give everyone the same advice i had to help people attune themselves to themselves um and listen to their soul's whisper it's, you know socrates said to know thyself is the beginning of all wisdom well if that's the truth then you know what i got to get to know myself better and so when someone goes through the whole process they get the greatest accumulation of clues they've ever had but i want to ask you I'm curious, since you often said, hey, this is that an endpoint. It's a, it's, it's a period, not a comma. What are, you, what are you longing to do or become if you, that you have not yet stepped into, that you know mm -hmm. is placed within your soul and your destiny, but you may or may not achieve it if you're, if you're handcuffed by a little fear of failure and all that jazz? I would say, you know, it's funny you, you, you've described what a Lord is, I guess, on the wealth dynamics thing, like steady one step at a time. I think you might have nailed it. And I think mm -hmm. my answer here might uncover that. And I was, mm -hmm. was going to say, like, I feel like I'm moving that way. 
with this podcast. So step yeah. one is I just like, let me not say step one. If I zoom out and say, what do I really want to do? I want to do spend my time serving people in the best way that I can in a way that mm -hmm. also fills me up as much as possible and also is aligned with the things that are the most important in my life. Yeah. So in all that, I came up with a dad podcast. Yeah. So I hope to serve people one day and I hope that this podcast leads to something in that regard. Do I know what exactly I want that to look like? I don't know. I know how I want it to feel. I want to like when I'm talking to you on here and you know, we're having a conversation and I'm working on stuff for the show and I'm getting to communicate with people who listen to the show and I'm hearing feedback, good and bad. I'm on fire. Like that's the flow state. That's the 500% yeah, yeah. productivity. And I feel that the delicious cocktail of, of the, the brain chemistry. Um, but when I'm not, when I'm working on a lot of other things and things that are maybe a little bit more consistent that provide a little bit more of a paycheck in my life, yeah, yeah. It, you don't, I don't necessarily feel that in the same way. So that's a very roundabout, maybe mm -hmm. not super clear answer, but that's, that's what came to mind. Yeah. We, we just got to gather a few more clues to figure out your, your path. And, um, I'll send you the link for the wealth dynamics test and we'll post it on the show show notes as well. Yep. Um, but that will help open up some pieces and then kind of where you apply your talents is determined by your values and your passions and your life experiences and all that. So mm -hmm. we'll, we'll unpack that some more later on, but heck yeah, no, that's awesome. Now, now you got me rolling. Now I'm just yeah, yeah. Now I'm thinking in the back of my head. <laughs> so how, how can we take this? So it's, this is to me feels like a superpower. This is one of those things if you can learn, like, you know, if you can figure out how to know yourself, what your strengths are, and you can focus on those strengths, like I'm 30, I'm wishing I had figured this out when I was about 10. How can we help our kids with this now? Like, what's the best way to begin leading them with this? Mike, I just lost you. I can't hear you. Wait, now I think I can hear you now. Say something. Okay. Now I can hear you. Shoot. Okay. Maybe it, uh, uh, what happened there? All right. Um, so, uh, we'll, we'll see if it comes back on, but parents today, like I see a lot of parents there, they're so overachieving and they so dominate like their kids' lives and over schedule their kids. Mm -hmm. And in the quest of their kids becoming extraordinary, which is often about their own ego. Um, I see that and I'm careful. I'm a high achiever, so I don't want to do that to my, my baby. <laughs> um, but I probably will to some extent, but, um, uh, the thing that you want to do is start attuning yourself to what their strengths are. Like having gone through this myself, I noticed, Hey, what's wh like, what's an introvert versus an extrovert? You know, how do they like our, our baby when she was in the womb, in my wife's belly, if we went to a loud party, like for our example, our baby shower, she did not move for like five or six hours to the point that my wife felt so nervous that something was wrong that we rushed to Vanderbilt emergency room that night. Okay. And I'm like, babe, she's fine. She just always does this whenever we're around loud people, but she's like so worried and my wife's a bit of a hypochondriac. So we <laughs> rushed in and of course, everything was fine. And we spent yeah. two hours in the ER for no reason in the middle of COVID. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, and extra bill, of course. But um, at the end of the day, she was totally good. And it's because, and even now, she's out of the womb, she's almost a year old, and guess what? When we go to loud events, we go around some new people, 
She is quiet as a mouse. She's very observant, but she does not talk and squawk. Yeah. When, when we get alone, she's jibber jabbering and making noises and all the things. But uh, so you start paying attention. We also figured out like you don't want to you want to encourage a child's curiosity. And in curiosity, I, I like to say your curiosity often leads to your passion. Your passion often leads to your path and your path leads to your purpose. We got to fuel those curiosities mm -hmm. and create like kids are innately curious and sometimes we can dull them with TV, with other things like um, uh, so letting a child explore their curiosity like Einstein was famous for being insatiably curious about how the universe works. Mm -hmm. You know, so what would it look like for us to create fuel for our children? be insanely curious. So that's, that's a big thing that comes to mind for me. Yeah, that's uh man during COVID. I just want to tell, say this to hopefully give a little grace to somebody else. We slipped pretty badly into habits of too much television, too much screen time. We were like, Oh my gosh, we're in here for so long. A lot of bad habits crept in, but we've been peeling that back. And it's been amazing watching our two boys as we've said, okay, the TV's not coming on during the middle of the day. You guys just go out in the backyard. We're going to shut the fence. We're going to shut the door. It's amazing what they can come up with. Like everything's a sword. Everything's a game. Everything is exciting. They, they've become curious again of just being little kids in the backyard. Love and it's it. been, it's been insane getting to watch it. It's, um, it's, it's really a cool thing to watch a child's mind run unhindered. If you, if you let it, um, it's, it's crazy. So I'd be, I'd be curious to know uh, from your perspective how having a baby has changed uh, your life as an entrepreneur. I mean, a kid comes into the world, everything changes in, in your life. But tell me how it's impacted you um, as, as a professional. Yeah, I'm loving it. Uh, I didn't think I would like the baby stage as much, but I'm actually really digging it. It's a ton of fun, but it, you know, it certainly cuts down on work time, uh, but it, I find so much joy in the baby moments, uh, in moments of teaching her, learning through her, rediscovering the world through her. Um, and, and it also helps you, I think your soul and your heart become more connected. And I remember holding her as well in the hospital right after she was born at Vanderbilt. I was like, you know what? I, dad, dad can't play small anymore. Dad's got to go for it. Even yeah. though, you know, you're still battling those upper limits of identity and busting through. I was like, I gotta, I gotta rise up to another level. It's time. Yeah. I can, I dude, I feel that too. That's, I mean, I, I didn't tell you that I part of the origin story, I guess, of this whole podcast, but the thing, I guess it wasn't part of the origin story, but the things it's been like the consistent fuel in the fire is like, whatever I am able to build from here on out, my kids are going to get to see it. Yeah, it's like before I had kids, I was I kind of had the plan of like, all right, I want to make X amount of dollars. I want to reach this point and then I'm going to have kids. And that didn't happen. But I have found a lot of excitement now that I get to kind of model it for them. And mm -hmm. I may fail, but I just got to see it as a comma and not a period. Right. right. <laughs> exactly. And part of, you know, here's a metaphor that might be helpful for you. I can't remember if I have this in the book or not. But uh, did, did he get to the part about the Boeing 737? Yes. I okay. Think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it weighs 485 tons. 
But how does this heaping metal bird get into the night sky carrying its passengers? Well, it's got to hit enough resistance. If it doesn't hit enough resistance, it stays grounded and it will eventually run off the runway. Mm-hmm. So like even these commas, they're stepping stones. Like one of my favorite stories, uh, I'm reading uh, a book about Thomas Watson, founder of IBM, and it's going through the Great Depression period mm-hmm. and all his speeches and his talks. And, and he had this one moment where this executive had lost a million dollar deal, had just flubbed it up, screwed it up. And he came in the next day and he's like, Mr. Watson, sir, here's my resignation. I know I'm done. And Thomas Watson Sr. looked at him and said, son, I just paid a million dollars for your education. Get back out there. And he ripped up the resignation. <laughs> and so it's like, man, your commas are just, they're, they're just fuel for your next step. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's strong. That, I like the resistance metaphor a lot. That's, yeah. that's powerful. And I, I hope that there's somebody listening that that lands for um, as well. It's, I'm, I'm feeling it right now. You yeah. mentioned the uh, you mentioned the personality test. You know, we've got the five of them. You mentioned one of them, wealth dynamics. True or false? Did you make your wife take those tests? I did. I did. Be- before or after getting married? Before. There you go. There you go. <laughs> it uh, probably saved us. Honestly, <laughs> it was three months into dating. I'm like, babe, we should we should take these tests. Um, I want to know who you are. I don't think we were even exclusive at the time. But really? I was like, let's do a zone of genius date. Is what I called it discover the mystery of each other that's awesome that's hey the fact that she was receptive to that that had to be a good sign right off the bat yeah she she told me later after we're married she's like yeah i called my sister and my mom i said this dude's kind of weird he's making me take all these personality tests um but i i really like him so i'm gonna do it that's uh that's incredible how has the the new baby in the world change things in your marriage? How are you guys adjusting and, and moving forward through that? Yeah, I think it's 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 bumpy, but it's beautiful. Bumpy, bumpy and beautiful is what I would say. It's, uh, you know, finding time and rhythms. Takes you a little while to get, get in a rhythm for yourselves, um, for her, for, you know, she went through a, a deep battle with depression during the midst of it. She battled mm-hmm. depression before, and then of course, postpartum and all the hormones it's and brought up all these family traumas from her childhood so that part was really rough and we had a pretty intense six month season of that but it's also forced me to again grow i was like hey all right what's the gift of this of helping her navigate through her trauma well i became way more empathetic and understanding of how to heal anxiety attacks how to navigate depression real battles with depression um, I didn't give up on, you know, in the 1990s, they didn't think there was a cure for depression. Well, we're finding cures around uh, using neurofeedback, eventually seed asylum, the mushroom that helps heal PTSD. Um, we're also doing somatic psychotherapy, um, NLP, of course, which is my background, and exercise. And then other, other, micronutrients like NAD plus that we're doing with injections and supplements um, that help help lift the mood and change the chemical composition because I've realized the transformation of a human being into their highest level self and shedding of a of a trauma or old self it's really it's not one bullet one magic bullets it's like what's the perfect recipe mm-hmm. I need a little bit of this. I need a little bit of garlic. I need a little bit of parsley. I need a little bit of butter. I need a little bit of 
cayenne pepper, whatever it may be. You need you need to constantly tinker with the recipe. And uh, and so it's it's that's been a challenge, but it's also been beautiful and created more, uh, you know, more gifts for the future, for sure. Yeah, I appreciate that perspective, and and I appreciate you diving into that a little bit. Postpartum depression is not something I had ever heard of until yeah. um, about you know a year or two after I watched my wife go through it, and we didn't know what was going on, and she, yeah. you know, it it just it was a it was a long unwinding of figuring out how to how to best navigate through that so man i i appreciate you bringing that up i think that's it's far more common like i mean it was in our lives and we didn't even realize it at the time which is a yeah, crazy thing it it's, is and and us as dudes i mean we get tired but we don't go through the massive hormonal challenges that they do and it's it's pretty insane um and then if like my wife's a three-time suicide survivor so it's like man if she's been through crazy crap like that and it brings back again our human capacity to relive the memories mm-hmm. right you look at it yeah. oh uh like my dad didn't let us watch mtv as a kid but we w- would watch nature shows mm-hmm. i remember seeing like a wildebeest being hunted by some lions and then it gets caught in the jaws of the lion and it's being drug away and then somehow it wiggles free and escapes and runs off and the lion's too tired to chase it two minutes later it's freaking eating grass you're like, if I'm almost dead by a lion, I'm not eating a burger and fries two minutes later or right. a pizza. I'm not like, oh, I'm fine. Let's eat. Like, but Animal Kingdom has a way of releasing trapped energy and trauma. We do too, but most of us have it stunted along the way. And uh, so I've had to become a bigger student of, of trauma. And you look at our world and the battle of depression and and mental health because of covid and isolation like that's a pretty big deal so have you had about it you've definitely you've helped your wife obviously have you had other friends acquaintances clients has come to you for for help in that field as well how do you help them yeah definitely i've had um had some that you know my one of my clients he's ceo of a film company and when we started working together um I'd known him for 12 years through church and um, his company had just had a record year. And then we did the zone of genius analysis and all these things and looked at his schedule and his life patterns. And I was like, you know what? Uh, I said, David, you're about ready to burn this business down, aren't you? You're looking for a way out. And he's like, yeah, how'd you figure that out? I was like, well, you're doing everything that is not in alignment with your gifting. You're doing these things because you think you should because you're the CEO. And this is what a CEO is supposed to do. Well, and he's like, yeah, I've, I've been battling depression. And then we realigned his schedule, realigned it, attuned it to his deepest area of genius and cleared out a bunch of junk and gave him mental permission and then help, helped him have conversations with his partners around that. Guess what? Three weeks later, he's not battling depression nearly at all. Man. Another month and a half later, totally gone. Now, you know, this is nine months later, 10 months later, he's in a great spot, phenomenal spot. Doesn't even need my help anymore. (laughs) That's amazing. That's phenomenal. Um, I want to pivot a little bit here, and I'm curious about two things. We talked a little bit about this before we hopped on, but two things that in my mind, I've had a little bit of trouble reconciling, and that is being a person of faith, a Christian, and also being 
unashamed and, and excited about working in a capitalistic opportunity, making money, chasing, chase, not probably not chasing wealth, but pursuing wealth. How can we reconcile that? How have you reconciled that? How, how what, what words of wisdom would you offer for, for us who may be trying to reconcile that? Yeah. One of my crazy things in this journey as well, and, and going through that season, is like just seeing that God actually longs for us to be more abundant. And every single miracle, like two uh, thirds of Jesus's miracles were miracles of abundance. His first miracle, first public miracle, turning water into wine. And it was delicious wine. It was the premium wine, right? Mm -hmm. Then uh, his last miracle on earth in, in Book of John, he, you know, they're fishing and he overflows Peter's net, right? Mm -hmm. And then the early, the fish was a symbol of prosperity, right? That the Christians had as their secret symbol. Um, and you look at the gospel, the gospel was called the good news. It wasn't like the little bit better news <laughs> or hang on for dear life and suffer for 30 years and eventually you'll experience heavenly bliss. It's like, no, you can have joy. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. That was the verse that hit me um, in college. And, and you look, Jesus never spoke against money. He spoke against greed over and over. And so I think shedding, like the church is, is mired, the Western church, I would say in general, is mired in some old constructs. And there's, there's a lot of control, a lot of hesitation and fear around money. And, and uh, just as there is sex and other good things that can be misdirected um, and destructive if it's out of a proper disciplined channel, let's call it. Um, but I think if you look at the overall arching narrative, and that's why I even wrote the God and Money Journal with ChristianPlanner.com. Um, and I've got this, this lead magnet of 10 little known secrets about Jesus and money, um, that you guys can grab. It's just a free PDF that pretty, it's pretty awesome to see how Jesus actually interacted with money. He had no problem with wealth and money. Um, but remaking ourselves, starting reprogramming our body that it's actually safe and it's actually noble and good also to have wealth and abundance flowing through us so that we can impact others, but also it's okay for us to enjoy it a little bit too, right? Now, yeah. not overindulge and not being an egomaniac, but um, enjoy it, savor it, use it for good. Um, so it's, it's a journey I'm still on, but uh, uh, I love to invite men and women of faith to, hey, step into your higher level self if God really said, Hey, I've come that you may have life to the full, then let's figure out how you get life to the full. <laughs> Man, I love it. I'm excited to check it out. Like I said, that's something I've, I've, I've had that, I guess, deep in my mind, subconsciously, consciously, just trying to figure out how to reconcile the two. And it's not, you know, it's that idea of abundance. Like you just said, like letting abundance flow through us, as opposed to like, we were talking, you were asking me before, like, you know, what i what I wanted and what I feared and my fear in that and that failure, what that looks like for me is a fear of losing money. It's yeah. a fear of laying it on the line and losing it. And then it's period. It's over. That money's gone. No shot anymore. Mm -hmm. um, 
but just having faith to kind of walk through that. Dude, I'm excited to check that out. And as you can no. tell, as I'm rambling here, there's a little <laughs> bit of junk up here that I'm trying oh, yeah. to figure out how to work. There's, I'm, well, I'm pumped we, to check We all this got out. it. I got some junk still getting cleared up. So <laughs> part of the dirty. Uh, I haven't gotten good at articulating the junk, but I've gotten good at letting people know that there's junk up there. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, you know, here we go. Um, so as we, as we move to, uh, the, I guess the, the end of this conversation, Mike, I want to be, um, respectful of your time. A uh, couple last couple questions that I ask everybody that comes on the show. The uh, first two are, are fastballs. The second one, or the third one's a little bit more long winded. So question number one, Mike, what is one thing that the people, um, who may not know you super intimately, may not know about you. I was once a SAG eligible actor, and I actually did it. I was a hand model at one point too. I did a, a hand model. <laughs> That's there we right. Go. I did, and uh, I was in a Super Bowl commercial, Tostitos Super Bowl commercial with Peyton Manning and Eli Manning, and that we shot in Chattanooga Stadium. Nice. Uh, back uh, a long time ago, like over a decade ago so that's one little known thing <laughs> that's awesome chattanooga represent um all right question number two the answer to, to this question cannot be your family but okay. what are you the most proud of in your life so far i'd say the the destinies that have impacted the families the people the leaders men and women that their lives are irrevocably changed for the good. Um, and they found their purpose and found their path. And, and sometimes my belief in them and my helping them see the catalyst, see their genius, see their purpose became a massive transforming, transforming impact. And, and that I didn't give up in, in the midst when it was hard and the midst when I had doubts and things didn't go right. I kept pursuing it. That's awesome. All right. Last question for you. Uh, this question has to do with the word legacy. Legacy is something that we hear a lot. We see a lot, see it on social media. A lot of times it's generational wealth, names on buildings, um, things like that. So when I think about the word legacy, I think about two things. I think about the people that mean the most to me. And I think about the people that God willing, I will leave behind on this earth. So between those two buckets falls my kids. And when I think about legacy, I think about the moments, the memories, the lessons, the little things that they're hopefully going to get to experience with me, remember about me. So then when God willing, I get to leave them behind on earth, they get to carry on with them the rest of their lives and maybe pass along to their kids. So through that lens, if I say, Mike, what do you want your legacy to be with your daughter? How would you answer that question? For my legacy, I want my daughter to see that whatever gifts that she has, whatever her purpose and path is, that she also lives it courageously in the philosophy and mindset of impacting the public good as well. So like, I know I have a deep impact to make in my family's life, but also know I see myself, even though I'm not a public servant, but as, as, you know, even a public figure as, hey, all right, I want to impact millions of people and help millions of people find their deepest area of genius and unlock their divine potential. So I want to invite her into that journey of living her life for something bigger than herself and stepping into and claiming her genius and being unashamed of her greatness and uniqueness and whatever that is, but using, you know, C.S. Lewis says, 
Humility is not thinking less of ourselves, it's thinking of ourselves less. So it's like we esteem ourselves, you know, verses in the Bible, for we are God's masterpieces, created anew to do the good works he planned for us long ago. Verses like that show up over and over. So what if, what if we really are? And what if we really are meant to leave an irrevocable legacy, but your plain small doesn't serve or enlighten the world? So what if we live big? I, I know part of my journey, my quest right now is to figure out how to live bigger on social media and writing and, and uh, overcome e even my own mental blocks. Um, and as I'm building out these new business ventures and mentoring some leaders, how do I help them do the same? So I want her to live attuned to her, her genius, but also live attuned to how she's called to make a dent in the universe. That's strong, brother. That is strong right there. I love it. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for making some time, man. This has been an awesome conversation. I know this is going to help a lot of people. It helped me. Like I said, you heard me ramble through some junk in my head out there. Uh, <laughs> so it certainly served me well. I hope it serves others well as well. Mike, where is the best place to find you, follow you? What do you have coming on the pipeline? Where do you want to direct people? Yeah, great question. So you can find me at MikeZeller.com or the Mike Zeller on any of the social media platforms. Um, but if you want a copy, free copy of my book, The Genius Within, which I promise you, if you do the whole process, you will have the most complete version and vision of your genius, where you're amazing and where you're not so amazing that you've ever had in your life. So GeniusWithinBook.com, grab a free version there. I uh, just cover shipping and handling, or you can get it on Amazon. And then uh, also, if you want the little known secrets, 10 little known secrets about Jesus's relationship with money, uh, we'll have the link in the show notes uh, at GodAndMoneyJournal.com uh, as well. And that's where the, that journal uh, will be, GodAndMoney.co, uh, I believe it is. Um, and then uh, additionally, uh, I have a little texting community that you guys can join where I have 30 days of text around abundance you just text the word money to 615-819-4482 615-819-4482 and text the word money and uh, you'll get uh, 30 days of text that will be guaranteed to lift your money mindset in your state of abundance Awesome. Good stuff. We will link all of that up in the show notes. And I do highly recommend that you guys check it all out. I've gotten gotten my first taste with The Genius Within. Phenomenal book. I have uh, a, lot of, a lot of dog ears in this book and a lot of things to come back to. A lot of actionable items, steps that you could take. Like I said earlier, it's literally like the instructions to figuring out who you are. That's been my interpretation of it. Great. Awesome book. That was my awesome answer. work, dude. You nailed it. You nailed Thank it. You. Um, all right, Mike. Thanks so much, man. We will stay in touch. Appreciate it, brother. All right, everybody. That's it. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, do me a huge favor and subscribe to the show or leave us a rating and review. We can't thank you enough for your support. Until next time, remember to love and lead from the front. See ya.